Thank you for joining me on this deliverance training series that I've just started on authority and identity. We're talking about authority and identity tonight, and then we'll go into the deeper levels of deliverance. But it's so important that you understand authority and identity are connected. Unless you know your kingdom authority, you'll never know your kingdom identity. Unless you know your kingdom identity, you'll never know your kingdom authority. Hallelujah. So I want to teach on this deliverance is so neglected. It's very neglected in the church today, and we need to know how to engage the enemy in warfare and how to have victory over the enemy. And we have victory through Jesus Christ, through the cross. Jesus is living inside of us each and every day. And we need to remember that. Sometimes we forget he's living on the inside of us, and he who's in us is greater than he that's in the world. So if you have a desire to be equipped in the area of deliverance, it's essential, again, to know your identity in Christ, that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High King. And I teach on these things. I believe that deliverance, evangelism, and the prophetic are the three most neglected topics that we need in this hour. So I will continue to preach and teach on these subjects. So the first thing we need to understand and remember is that Jesus lives within each one of us. And Jesus has overcome the world by dying on the cross and putting the enemy to an open chain. Let's pray before we continue any further. Hallelujah. I just feel led into prayer. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that every attempt of the enemy on our lives, on our children's lives, on our families' lives will be thwarted. If we put our faith in you, Lord, and we put our faith in you, Lord, we commit all that we are to you once again. Lord, equip us, Lord. You've already equipped us with your spirit, Lord. But tonight, may there be an anointing that empowers and covers each one, that they would walk out their divine destiny in you, that they would know their authority. May they have revelation of authority, their authority in you, that they can trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. And that they will not be harmed, that they should not be afraid. Use me to speak your words, Holy Spirit, and not my own, that the body of Christ would be equipped this very night. In Jesus' name. So we can't fight the devil and his demons in our own strength, can we? No, we cannot do that. The enemy has strategy. He is, you know, dumb sometimes in the way that he acts and reacts, but he does have strategy, and we need to be on the lookout. We need to be sober and vigilant. We need to be aware. Jesus has power over the enemy. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, there's no greater power than the power of God through Jesus Christ. Luke 10, 19 says this, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. As children of God who've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, we've been given great power and authority. There are those who may try to discourage you from learning about deliverance. And I've, I've even had pastors and leaders tell me, Alex, don't go down that road. Don't mess with those demons. You know, you could end up losing your mind. They've given me examples of people who have lost their mind dealing with demons. And in every case that I see this happen, in pretty much every case that I see those kinds of things happen, the people were immature and they were overconfident. And I want you to be 
weary or be leery uh, of getting into the demonic to getting into deliverance if you are a new believer, if you just got saved, if you've only been saved for a year or two and you start dealing with demons, you start going after strong demons like principalities. I would not do that. I would begin with a prayer like uh, I break the spirit of depression off my life. I break the spirit of fear off of my life. I break all anxiety off of my life. I break the powers of the enemy off of my life and my children and my family in Jesus name. Start with those basic deliverance type prayers. Okay, I wouldn't go just challenging principalities and powers in uh, ruling demons in your area because you may be engaging the enemy on a level that you're not quite ready for yet because you haven't yet matured and been equipped in those kinds of things. And there is maturity involved when it comes to that. There is wisdom, definitely is wisdom involved when it comes to, to warring with, per, with principalities. And really, we're not warring with them at all. We're allowing Jesus to go out and fight for us. We're allowing Jesus to send out the angels, to send out the heavenly host to fight for us because we're not the ones actually uh, going hand to hand with anyone or anything. Jesus is fighting for us, and we need to get that. We need to understand that from the beginning. So in this series, I'm also going to teach about what to avoid in deliverance because of the traps that Satan sets for us. And I want you to know, because I've experienced so much warfare with the enemy, I want you to know some of the things that he does to try to ensnare us, to try to trip us up and get us stuck in those those webs, those tangled webs and traps that he sets. So I'm going to teach you how to avoid those things as much as possible. Know this, by using your God-given authority and wisdom, all the powers of Satan must obey your command because you're commanding them with the authority that Jesus has given you if you're a follower and believer of Jesus. So again, that's not because of anything you've accomplished. We need to remember it's not our, our power or strength that is doing anything when it comes to deliverance, but it's the authority Jesus has given us. Colossians 2.15 says this, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So there's no power in hell or on the face of this earth that can stand against the power of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are good, that you are holy, that you are all powerful. We thank you, Jesus. That's why we say the power of the blood. With the power of the blood, every curse is broken. Every wound is healed. Every devil must flee. When you, when you talk about the blood, when you talk about the blood, Demons begin to manifest many times. Demons begin to break off and flee because the blood, there's no greater power in this universe than in one drop of blood. The drop, one drop of blood can send the enemy running. So even to talk about it makes the enemy cringe. Just as Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons wherever he went, we are called to do the same. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Okay, and we hear most of the church talking about healing the sick. We don't hear them really talking about raising the dead or casting out devils, but it's a time, uh, we're in a time and hour where Jesus is pouring out fresh oil. 
Okay, and that's a word for somebody right now. That's a word for a lot of people because I believe it's for the body as a whole. But Jesus is pouring out fresh oil, fresh oil to cover you in this season and empower you to go out and do what God has called you to do in this hour, in this time, in this season. So those are there. There are two things that will hold you back in the area of deliverance like nothing else. And those things are condemnation and lack of identity. And we're going to go right into this. Condemnation and lack of identity are the two things. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. The two things that can hold you back like nothing else. So first, let's talk about condemnation. Condemnation is one of the greatest obstacles for a believer when it comes to knowing our authority. And a believer feels condemned when they don't feel forgiven. When you don't feel forgiven... When you know you're forgiven, but you don't feel forgiven, that can trip you up. You, you've confessed it. You've repented of it. But still, you're condemning yourself. It's not really God that's condemning us at that point, but it happens to so many believers. And we get in a state where we're not able to move forward because of this feeling, because of these thoughts. One of my favorite scriptures is 1 John 1, 9, and I'm going to read that in just a moment. But if you feel condemned, the best thing that you can possibly do is begin to study out scriptures on forgiveness. We need to forgive others, but we also need to forgive ourselves. And if Jesus has forgiven us, who are we not to forgive us? We can't hold on to that. We can't focus on the past or what we've done. That's another trap of the enemy, and he wants to ensnare us with it. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He'll cleanse us. He'll purify us. He'll refine us if we would only confess and get right with God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. By confessing our sins, we stay clean before God. And as the day approaches of his return, of Jesus' return, we need to keep our hearts right and clean in the eyes of God like never before. We need to keep our hearts clean because we don't know the moment. We don't know the minute. We don't know the second when Jesus is going to appear in the sky. When every eye shall see him, we don't know when he will return. I want to tell you that if you've confessed it and you've turned from it, you're forgiven. And no one confesses a sin and turns from it without feeling condemnation. Or, excuse me, without feeling conviction. Conviction. And maybe you do feel a little condemnation that leads you to repentance. So I want to tell you this. If you're, you know, going throughout your day, going, walking out, uh, your life, and, and this has happened to me many, many times, and some would call, uh, count it as a, as a curse, but it's a blessing to be convicted of your sin because that kind of conviction leads you to Christ. It leads you to repentance. But you could just be living out your day, walking out your day, and all of a sudden, you know, you feel guilty about something that you did, but you didn't realize that you did it in the moment. You didn't realize it was sin. You didn't realize it was something that you were living in that God didn't want you to live in. And all of a sudden, you begin to just say, God, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, purify me. I turn from this thing. I'm sorry that I was ever involved in it. We need conviction before we repent, before we ask for forgiveness. Uh, when you just say, God, forgive me, and you don't really mean it, it means nothing. It's lip service. 
And, you know, that's another thing. Don't get caught up on that. If you've asked God to forgive you and you know that you meant it, don't go back and say, well, maybe God didn't forgive me. He's forgiven you. It's done. Move on. We need to move on. And I want to add something here that I've been used in situations many different times where, you know, I said the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. I committed a sin. And five minutes later, I was in I was in a situation where I had an opportunity to pray for someone for healing or to get someone free as I rebuked the devil off of them. And Jesus came in and and set them free where I was in a position to help someone. But instead, uh, I got hung up on what was going on in my mind. Of course, I've been through these situations where I felt condemned, where I didn't feel forgiven. And I got caught up in my own stuff, in my own head, and that held me back. But you don't want to do that. I've come to a place now where I repent, I confess, and then I move on. Not that I didn't feel bad for what I did. Of course, conviction led me to repentance. But once it's done, if you confessed it 10 seconds ago, 10 minutes ago, or 10 years ago, it's done. You might remember it, but God doesn't. But God wants you to focus on the present, the here and now, because if you don't, you may miss an opportunity to see someone saved, healed, or delivered. So do not walk in condemnation. Walk in that redemption, that forgiveness that Jesus has purchased for you at the cross and walk in your true identity in Christ. So when we look back at our past sins, we fall into a trap Satan has set for us. That's one of his snares. And the truth is, as long as we're looking back, we won't be moving forward, will we? Focusing on your past sins will keep you in an unfruitful state. That's something that I want to stand out for you. As long as you keep looking back at your past sins, you'll stay in an unfruitful state. I say this because we do this. When we do this, we start to believe the lie of the enemy that says God couldn't use someone like you. And that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. God can use you. He just wants you to get right with him first. He wants you to get right with him. And I need to get right with him every day. We need to repent each and every day, not in a legalistic way, not in a way where we, you know, think, oh, well, you know, if I don't confess right now, you know, God's just going to smash me with a hammer. No, not in a legalistic way, but knowing we want to keep our hearts right before him. We want to stay clean in his eyes. So we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The word of God tells us that, and that's why we all need Jesus. Every single one of us on this planet needs Jesus. Some don't believe it. Some won't accept it, but it's the truth. And I need to preach it, and I need to teach it. Hallelujah. Just as none of us are considered righteous without Christ, none of us can perform a miracle, raise the dead. None of us can raise the dead. None of us can rebuke a demon and watch it come out without the power of Jesus. So don't ever try to get into deliverance on your own strength, on your own energy, on your own you know, positive thoughts. No, we need the authority of Christ. We need to know who we are. His power is at work within us as long as we stay submitted to his will in humility. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. That's how we need to stay submitted. Humility is key. 
If we don't humble ourselves, the Holy Spirit will never have the opportunity to flow through us and move through us. The Holy Spirit will never have the opportunity, the opportunity to produce a sincere love within our hearts. Please turn with me now to Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Now, as you realize, we read Luke 10, 19 earlier on, but now we're going to read the scripture directly after in Luke 10, 20. The first scripture had to do with authority, and then this one has to do with identity. And maybe you've never seen this scripture like that, but you're about to. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your revelation. We thank you that you're the hope above every other hope. You're the power greater than any other power. Luke 10, 20 says this, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So if you remember, I started this message with 10, 19. Authority, as I just said. This is about identity. Why is it about identity? Because the disciples were rejoicing. They were happy that the demonic spirits submitted to them. They were missing the point. They were missing their point, the point that their names were written in heaven, that their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. And that was the reason why they had this authority. That was the reason why they could say, flee in Jesus' name. Get out of here. Break off of them. And the devils would flee. Not because of the power they had. And I believe they were looking at each other like, wow, look what we can do. When in fact, the power was coming or was flowing through them because they were abiding in Christ. They were in relationship with Jesus. And we need to cherish the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus. We have a relationship with God, unlike anyone had really in the Old Testament. We need to understand we're in a new dispensation. We're in a new covenant, under a new covenant where we can access the Holy of Holies where we can go right into the throne room and we should be so grateful, so grateful, so, uh, so full of praise toward our God. We need to remember just how, how, uh, privileged, how privileged we are. Our names are written in heaven. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We are to rejoice in knowing our identity. And our identity has to do with whose we are. We are His. We are Jesus's. We are God's children. So His words are true. He makes us brand new. I don't know about you. But I could never be the same after I had encountered Jesus. I could never be the same after encountering him. He changed me. I was a drug addict. I was a drug dealer. I was severely depressed. I thought about suicide often. But now I'm a totally different man. I'm a totally different person. And I don't only want to encounter him once. I've encountered him multiple times again and again. I've encountered his spirit, his spirit, his presence, his glory again and again. And I don't want to leave it at that. I want to encounter him again and again and again. Once you've been in the river of living water, you never want to come out. And when you come out, you don't feel the same. When you look at the things that the world has to offer, the material things, the possessions and, and the pleasure and the money, none of it satisfies. 
and I pray this for you and I pray this for my children, I pray this for my family, I say, God, give them a taste, a sweet taste for the things of you that truly satisfy and give them a bitter taste for the world, a bitter taste for the things of the enemy and the things that the enemy has to offer. We need to be praying that over the people that we love, the people in our lives. Now, please turn with me to Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. Again, that's Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. And it says this, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So David wrote this, having great revelation regarding the things of God. David knew the goodness and faithfulness of God personally as he witnessed it firsthand. He witnessed these things firsthand in his own life. He also had revelation on the subject of predestination and identity, and we can see that here clearly in the text. We can tell by reading it as he describes himself being formed in his mother's womb by God himself. He understands that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. He understands he was God's creation and that he didn't just come about randomly without purpose. And you know what? There's so many, especially in this younger generation, that are hopeless right now. So many people after COVID, and I don't even like bringing up the subject of COVID because it incited fear in so many people, and it still does to this day, so many things that we see on the news that are not true, that are fabricated. And I know COVID was a real disease, a real virus, but fear killed more people than COVID did. Fear killed more people than cancer did. Fear kills. So the spirit of fear needs to be broken off in Jesus' name. And I just break the spirit of fear off your life in Jesus' name. Devils flee right now from the people that are are feeling like they have no hope. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus that you would have the hope above every other hope, the hope greater than any other hope in this world in just a moment. But I want to tell you, you were created for a purpose. You were created as a masterpiece by God, a creation, because God does not make mistakes. He doesn't make errors. If I would give you a book full of the mistakes God had made, it would be blank pages. He's holy, he's perfect, and he's pure, and he's created you for a reason. Just because you haven't figured out what that reason or purpose is yet, Don't dismiss God and say, you know what? He has nothing for me. He has so much for you. And I want you to get excited about it. I want you to to say, God, take me on that adventure. Jesus, walk with me. Pursue what God has for you. And he'll reveal so much. He'll reveal just page after page of the adventures. You know, it's it's like your, your life is like a book. That he just wants to turn the page and show you the next thing the next day. And and each day he wants us focusing in on his divine will for our lives. So David declared marvelous are your works by saying that by saying that he knew his value, he knew his identity. David knew that all God creates is a masterpiece. And if you're hearing that again, you are a masterpiece. You may not see yourself that way, but I pray that you see yourself as God sees you right now. He doesn't make mistakes. And for every person, he's given purpose and identity. 
purpose, and destiny. You'll only fail to move in your authority and power when you forget who you are in Christ. Now, let me tell you that again, because you may have missed it. If you begin to fail to move in your authority, if you begin to fail to move in the miraculous and in the things of, of deliverance when you're rebuking devils and they're not listening to you, it's because you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten you were forgiven. You've forgotten that you were a son or a daughter. Don't forget who you are and whose you are. This world will tell you that your identity lies in your possessions, but the truth is your identity lies in a kingdom that you cannot see, the kingdom of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ, and that's who you are. That's your identity. Maybe you're out there saying, I don't know what it's like to really be loved. I don't know what it's like to have hope. Well, Jesus wants to reveal that love, and, and he revealed that love partially by dying on the cross. There's so much more that he wants to show you, but that's the beginning. That's the beginning for all of us, that we would see he spilled his own blood. He laid his own life down, that we could be forgiven, and that's the greatest love that anyone could express that a man would lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than this, the scriptures say. I want to tell you that you're exactly where God wants you to be right now. You're positioned for his favor, for his uh, purposes, and for everything that he wants you to receive. You're watching this for a reason. You're hearing this for a reason. He wants to see or he wants you to see that this world can't satisfy. As I said just a couple of minutes ago, he wants you to see that this world can't satisfy and that he's the only one that can give you that water that quenches your thirst forever, that you would never thirst again. Jesus wants you to know his track record is perfection. You're only feeling hopeless because you haven't surrendered your life. And I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Once you surrender your life fully, You'll feel that hope. You'll feel that love. You'll feel that faith rising. And if there's an area of your life that you haven't quite overcome in, it's because you haven't yet surrendered it. You haven't yet brought Jesus in to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to put this in your hands because I can't do it. I can't do it, but I'm going to cast my cares on you. You can be carefree as you just cast your cares on Jesus. Of course, you're going to feel stress. Of course, you're going to feel pressure, but you don't have to walk it out alone. And I'm going to put it like this. It's, it's like our lives without God is like a car without an engine. Okay, A car can have everything to it. A brand new car can have everything to it, whether it's old or new. But without an engine, you're not going to go. You're not going to get to the, the destination that you are trying to go to, that you are purposing yourself to go to, right? You can have an, a place in mind. You can have an idea to go on a trip, to go down the street, to go to the Wawa, to go to the store, but you're never going to get there without an engine. Well, the Holy Spirit is like the engine. The Holy Spirit wants to come in. He wants to convict you and convince you. He wants to convict you of your sin, convince you that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he says he is. And then he wants you to embrace him and invite him in to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be the one who has the lead of your life, who's leading you. 
in your life. And I promise you, you'll have hope. You'll have great hope and you'll feel his love and you'll feel his grace and his mercy moving into your life and showing you who you are, a child of God. Now I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And I believe that he's drawing you by the power of his spirit right now, that you're feeling his gentle touch as he just calls you into his arms. As he says, I know you feel hopeless. I know you feel like you have no purpose, but I've created you for a purpose, my son. I've created you for a purpose, my daughter. I've created you for a purpose that you would follow me and find your fulfillment and peace in glorifying me. You can be, you know, a great piano player. You can be a great musician, artist, athlete, whatever it might be. But if you're not glorifying God in it, you'll never find peace in it. And that's just a word for someone tonight. Now, if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to begin to follow him today, say these words with me. It's important that you say these words, but it's more important that you say them and believe them in your heart. So say these words with me and place your faith in Jesus. Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, and purify me. Lord, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave and that he is Lord forevermore. I give all of my life and all that I am to him. I choose to follow you, Jesus, for all of my days with all that I am. I believe that you're going to give me a hope and a purpose. And Lord, help me to feel your love. Help me to have all the strength and wisdom and all that I need to follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I just believe that many have come into the kingdom tonight. Hallelujah. And those who will watch this later or hear this later on the podcast or on YouTube, Instagram, wherever it might be, Put your faith in Jesus. Don't turn back. Don't turn back. This world has nothing to offer you. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Next week, join me for the Deliverance Series Part 2, where we'll go to greater levels and greater uh, places on the area and subject of deliverance. Keep your eyes to the skies and your hand to the plow. God bless you.